0: And welcome back to the On Iowa podcast. I'm Leah Van, your Hawkeye football beat writer for the Gazette. Today I am joined by Tom Cakert from Hawkeye Report, Iowa Rivals website. And we're going to talk about recruiting. But first, Tom, I wanted to ask you how your summer's going.
1: Well, it's <laughs> I need a big <laughs> I still haven't got one in so I need to get that done, but, um, otherwise it's been good, you know, just, uh, it, it's so wild to think that like a little over a week from now, we'll be in Indianapolis, um, at Big Ten Media Day, um, you know, talking to players and coaches and, and, uh, and, you know, going out to get steak dinners or whatever we're going to do in downtown Indianapolis. So it's, it's, it just comes so quickly, and then we'll have Iowa Media Day, and then we'll have Kids Day, and then all of a sudden the season will be here. It's just, uh, it moves fast, but it's a whole lot better than what we had last year when we didn't know if we'd have a season at this point.
0: What is the famous steakhouse that everybody says to go to in Indianapolis?
1: St. Elmo's. That's it. They have the, a the great steak um shrimp cocktail I'm not a fan of shrimp cocktail but their shrimp cocktail is supposed to be the best they've got the I don't
0: I don't eat fish
1: so yeah horseradish sauce that's like to die for it's like your lungs go on fire when you eat it so love that um so yeah that's a big um that's the place to go They, they also have for the the more economy shopper there's Harry and Izzy's that's right by there um that is kind of the sister uh... Oh,
0: please. I'm going to expense this on the Gazette. I'm getting the (laughs) nicest steak out in Indianapolis. I am pumped for this first Big Ten media days. I'm going to get all my outfits laid out. Like, I know that's not y'all's thing, but like being the woman on the beat, I got to look fly. All right. I got to be dressed to the nines, all the TikTok fashion everything. So...
2: (laughs)
1: Go I'm not it. even
0: on TV, but I'm just that pumped for Big Ten Media Days. I'm, I'm itching for some football. I'm itching Good. for
1: it. Me too.
0: Well, then let's let's get right into it. Uh, we're talking about recruiting today. Um, it's kind of been a tough recruiting season for Iowa. Um, the first, like, immediate question I have is, what is going on with these tight ends? That you know, the supposedly like tight end you is losing out on. We're thinking about Andrew Keller going to Iowa State, Mike O'Reilly Ducker going to Auburn, Tommy McIntosh, um, you know, and then there's other products like Caden Helms who went to the same high school as Micah and Keegan. And I mean, he's not even in the picture. So what's what's going on with tight ends?
1: Yeah, it is weird because you would think that given what Iowa products are doing in the NFL when you've got your a couple of years removed from putting two guys in the first round in TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, and you have arguably the best tight end in uh, the NFL. It's either George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. I mean, that's, that's, that's the debate, but he's either one or one a, uh, and uh, signed a huge contract and, you've got guys in the NFL that are doing great things. And, you know, we got a superstar and you got two guys that are on the cusp of being superstars. And they came from the University of Iowa and developed at Iowa. And Iowa's developed a lot of tight ends over there. Going back to Dallas Clark and you've got, um, you know, Scott Chandler, Brandon Myers spent like eight, nine years in the NFL. Um, CJ Fedorowicz. I mean, you've had a lot of guys that have gone through Iowa and had great success at tight end. So, you would think that guys would be beaten down the door because offensively also there's not a lot of teams. You see so many spread teams today that don't even utilize a tight end. And so Iowa is a school that throws to it, uses a couple of them. So I would think that guys would be beaten down the door, but they haven't. been. Well, I shouldn't say they did a few years ago with, um, you know, they put together that really good class with Yelferton, Um, and you've got, you've got four I think really good potential tight ends, but only one. Sam Laporte has done a lot, uh, but you got Yelverton, Miamen, you know, guys like that that are um, that are going to be coming, I think, uh, and, and get better. So maybe some of it's looking at the depth chart and seeing the younger guys that were pretty highly recruited in front of them, but I just it's weird because I I think there's enough of a gap there, but it's also weird, you know, running backs weird. Uh, you know, Iowa took a a uh, late flyer on on devon hilson last year at running back and missed out on some guys and they've missed out this year now they've got a decision coming wednesday with a kid that we'll talk about in a little bit but Iowa runs the football in a traditional sense where most backs would love to get 20 to 25 touches a game and run the football and i i just it baffles me that there's like running backs that aren't lining up going, yeah, I want to go there so I can, but maybe it's Tyler Goodson's there and you know, he's going to get most of the work and guys want to play right away. Um, it's just, and defensive backs. I mean, Phil Parker, sure. put, put dozens of guys in the league, dozens. I mean, Desmond King, Micah Hyde, Monty Hooker. I mean, I, there's a long list of defensive backs that are in the NFL or have been put in the NFL by Phil Parker. And, Right now, they've you know for two straight years they've kind of really struggled at uh, recruiting defensive backs. So those three, but t- the tight end U thing is a big deal because that's kind of what I was marketed.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's the thing that I think everybody's been asking me, or it just kind of comes immediately to mind: is like, why is tight end U not getting these tight ends? Uh, with Micah, I mean, going to Auburn, I I almost think that could be. A situation and where he's looking at the NIL era and thinking, where am I going to make more money? I mean, I don't know. I would maybe look at that as an athlete, like Auburn football and Iowa football. But you could argue that Iowa, he could make more money, right? Because Iowa is, you know, has a pretty dedicated fan base, whereas Auburn has to kind of share with, you know, the Roll Tide, Right. And then
1: I don't know. I would have, I would have thought that, um, you know, going to Iowa, you know, you could have been. I, I think if if the NIL had been around, a guy like Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson would have made uh, a nice amount of money in in the NIL. But you know, you don't know what what the Southeast Conference does is probably a little bit different than the Big Ten. But um, you know, I kind of think that Iowa City—that's a kind of a captive market that you could you could make some uh, some decent money. But I, you know. Who, who knows why kids make decisions that they do. And I'll say this, we're still, you know, several months away from those kids having to sign and a lot can change and probably will change uh, with some of these kids that are making decisions right now that um, maybe they see something different during the season. Um, maybe their feelings change. Maybe, you know, like they don't want to be that far from home and they re-examine things. It, there's a lot that can change. So, um, I'm not predicting that like uh, uh, Riley Ducker's going to end up changing his mind. I'm just saying that it's, it's a possibility. It's always a possibility.
0: Certainly. And I know we wanted to touch on Iowa State. Obviously, Iowa State got Andrew Keller and then also got another in-state guy that we thought, well, I don't, Andrew wasn't in-state. Um, but they thought they got Hunter Deo, which was, um I think a lot of people were calling him to go to Iowa up until the day he committed to Iowa state. So what, what are you seeing here?
1: Yeah, that's another um, kind of sore subject for Hawkeye fans is that they see the the Matt Campbell and the Cyclones coming in the recruiting trail, because for a lot of years, Iowa state didn't really recruit the state very hard. Um, So, you know, they're going after some in-state kids, but they're also kind of crossing streams with Iowa on, other guys like, uh, Andrew Keller, um, you know, they're, they're button heads with those guys uh, a little bit. The interesting thing with Keller is that I think everybody kind of thought he's going to follow with his high school teammate as a commit to Iowa, Jack Dosler. So you would think that, you know, those guys would kind of stick together. He's not going to really, you know, do the full heel turn and go, go to Iowa state. while his, his friend, uh, a longtime friend and teammate went to Iowa, is he? And, you know, maybe some of that is depth chart related where Iowa State is going to be graduating a couple of tight ends this year. So there's an earlier path to play in time uh, for him. So perhaps that's um, part of the equation uh, for Keller. Dale, uh, you know, it's pretty clear um, going back a ways that there was a lot of reporting done that, that he had some academic issues and um, I, I think Iowa wasn't in the position where they could take him at this point. I think K-State was kind of in the same boat, and Iowa State was willing to to risk that. And um, you know, some schools will, will do that and take the win. And you know, maybe they don't get there. But and I know I've got a lot of questions of like, well, why did if Iowa had those concerns about academics, why did they let him take an official visit? Well, if you think you're still going to potentially recruit him either later in this cycle. You know, you might, he might, you might talk him into saying, hey, let's wait and see what your first semester grades are starting to look like to um, so see if we can make sure you're going to be able to get in. Or if he ends up going the JUCO route, you're probably going to recruit that kid again uh, down the road. So you want to keep those relationships going and build that, uh, you know, the equity of that, that relationship up. Uh, so that's why you bring him in for an official visit.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you think of Davion Nixon and what he went through yep. to get to Iowa. And, you know, I mean, academics that can be fixed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's been an interesting it's been an interesting recruiting atmosphere so far. And I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Obviously, the biggest news to come out of last night is Brody Brecht, because obviously I think a lot of us, you know, who's ranked number 77 MLB prospects, um, people were really scared that this kid was going to go play pro baseball. And then he ended up not getting picked in the first 10 rounds. And, you know, did say that he is now fully committed to going to Iowa. I wrote a story about it. It's on the Gazette. I actually went to his senior night. Um, It was great to meet people in person. I, I think that was like really my main objective. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so what? Are, no, what, that, what
1: is your take? <laughs> that was a good job by you to wow. go out there and, and, and get that story from him because um, that's maybe one of the bigger stories uh, in a while. And I'll tell you what, there's there's nobody that's more happy right now uh, besides Kirk Ferentz. I think he's probably pleased that he's getting Brody Breck, but uh, he's second on that list to Rick Keller because Rick Keller is doing handsprings right now because he's looking at getting a guy who throws in the upper nineties uh, as a pitcher and as a, a legit major league prospect. So you pair him up with, with Marcus Moore, who, or Morgan who's coming in from Iowa city West and yep. the Gazette's uh, prep athlete of the year this year. And you've uh, you got two pitchers who are major league prospects, big time, major league prospects. And he's getting one of them for free. He's only got, Rick's only got 11.7 scholarships to give out every year. So now he's getting Brody Brecht and Kirk Ferentz is paying for it. So um, that's just terrific. And then there's the, the other thing, the tight end that Iowa offered um, Addison Ostrenga, who is from Wisconsin, who's an Iowa baseball commit. So he's getting some money. I don't know how much, mm-hmm. um, Sometimes it's just a general number right now. And then they kind of figure out exactly what that's going to be. If it's going to be a quarter or a half scholarship or, or, or a third, um, or books or whatever. Um, Iowa offered him as tight end and they really, the Iowa coaches really love him and had him in for camp and, and then brought him back because they liked him so much. So, um, that's another player that Rick Heller is going to probably get for free. You know, so there's two players now that, that Rick's going to inherit and um, uh, from and, and it'll work out for baseball and football because Iowa football in the spring, particularly they practice in the morning so they can practice in the morning on, you know, if they have a weekday game on a Wednesday um, and they're going to play, you know, somebody co or somebody like that, whoever uh, they're just going to play Western Illinois as, as a midweek game a lot of times. So they can have practice football and then go play in the baseball game Wednesday afternoon and it'll work out for them. Uh, they'll probably have some conflicts on weekends, um, but that's you know, going to be part of the deal. So uh, Yeah,
0: I mean, it's kind of interesting. And I, I know that Iowa baseball really had a great season. And I know a lot of people really wanted them to make the postseason. And um, that, was, that was tough. That was a a tough spot that they were going to have to try to make with that late push. But now you've got all these new weapons coming on the scene. You're returning Trenton Wallace. Like, it's going to be a really good baseball season for Iowa, too. And then I do want to touch on Addison, uh, this new offer. Um, Is that – react? he's a tight end, of course. We were just talking about how Iowa was struggling to get a tight end in this class. Is this reactionary? Um, what, how, what do you think led to this?
1: Yeah, I think it's when they miss out on, on the, the three top targets and then you just go down your board. Uh, but I do know that they really, really like this kid and, but they had already gotten their, uh, their, uh, you know, um, line in the water with those other guys with offers. So they wanted to let that play out and then, um, ask them what's next. Also kind of interesting. Uh, I was also recruiting and not yet offered a kid from Ankeny, Brady McCullough who's played with uh, Bertie Brecht uh, last couple of years. And so they're continuing that relationship with the Ankeny kids. So um, he could end up getting an offer too if they end up taking uh, two tight ends this year, which, uh, which would be, you know, it's just kind of small world that it's another Ankeny kid that they're, um, that they're also recruiting that tight end.
0: I think Ankeny, I was, when I was speaking to their baseball coach last night, it seems like they have both a strong senior and junior class. I mean, there were 12 seniors that lined up for senior night for a baseball team. And I was like, wow. And, I mean, they were all playing, too. That was the thing. And then, you know, also got to see Weston Folk, who's going to play baseball at Iowa again. Like, and he threw a perfect game. So there's a lot coming out of Ankeny right now, um, which is really, you know, it's really exciting. And it's kind of cool to see these different schools, you know produce this top level talent and like I was just kind of going for all of it it's kind of like Bellevue West in Nebraska right you know we saw Keegan Johnson and then you know got Micah you got Kaden. there's a lot of guys that I was going after at, from the same school so maybe it just sometimes it comes in waves you know you get these pools of talent from the same place and I mean that's an advantage because you have friends that want to play together And I mean, if I were a recruit, I'd be like, yeah, I want to go play with my best friend at Iowa, or maybe not. Maybe I want to go make a name for myself. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it it bubbles up sometimes. It's like, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was over watching some summer basketball, and it was the Iowa City West team, uh, Iowa City West basketball team. So it's Jack McCaffrey, who's an incoming freshman, his friend's youngest youngest son, and he's already like Uh, 6'8". AC Girl's son, Kareem. Is playing on the team. He's a sophomore. He's going to probably be about six six. And you know, AC was a great center for Iowa. Um, got Coach Taylor's son Savion's on the team. You got Jeff Moe's son Peter, who's on the team. Uh, you got Val Barnes's two boys. One of them, Christian, who's their point guard, is a senior. Um, and Val Barnes is a great place. So you got all these ex-Hawkeyes that are on this team, and um, you know, you see them recruiting them and then you know like this past week iowa gets chris kingsbury's son to walk on for basketball so carter kingsbury is going to be joining the the team and they're recruiting um uh, and offered um jericho's son Uh, um and and, uh, cooper's gonna hopefully you know i think probably commit uh, to iowa eventually and um He's a top 50 player in the country. So it's all these former Hawkeyes around here. It's been wild to kind of track this for basketball. And and you got like the current team where you got Kenyon Murray's two boys. You know, Keegan's probably gonna be the best player on the team this year, he and Patrick. So um, you know, that's that's gonna be uh interesting as well.
0: Yeah, um, certainly. Well, I think the next topic is again, Iowa's kind of missing on some of these recruits. And um I think it was most recently Christian Stokes, the safety out um who committed to West Virginia. Um, we're still waiting on a decision from Chase Carter. Um yeah, and it seems like Chase Carter is very interested in Michigan State. He was quoted, um, I saw an article in your competitor 247 sports uh saying that he really liked the diversity at michigan state and so now i'm i'm wondering these are both athletes of color and so if this is a touchy subject but like do you know what is your take on how iowa is approaching you know uh, you know the elephant in the room which was the departure of chris doyle and this ongoing racial discrimination lawsuit. And we did talk about this with Kirk Ferentz, I think last week or two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, it was before the, the, the uh, big recruiting weekend. And, and it, is, it is the elephant in <laughs> the room because you don't know, it's one thing to talk to um, an African-American kid and his parents over a Zoom call and try to talk to them about what it's like. It's another thing to sit face to face with them and have some of your players of color talk to them about what their experience is like at the University of Iowa. I think it's a benefit for Iowa to get kids on campus and confront it directly. And I think that's been one of the reasons, perhaps, why they've struggled a bit now is because they they haven't. And Kirk talked a little bit about this when he met with us. Is that normally these guys in this recruiting class would be on their third, fourth visit to Iowa? They'd have come to a game. They'd have come to a uh, a junior day kind of thing, or a sophomore visit kind of thing. They'd they'd started to build some equity in the relationship. They dated, if you will, for a while before you get to the point where you want to get married. You're going to date for a while and go on three, four, five, six dates, and then you're going to decide that you want to come to Iowa. They weren't able to do that because of the pandemic. I think it was like kind of the the worst possible storm of of circumstances with. This happens at Iowa where you have essentially um, a racial reckoning, if you will, within the program, uh, just issues that that needed to be dealt with. And, but you couldn't get kids back on campus until June. I think Kirk's approach is right. They bring it up, they talk about it. Um, And I think that's the only way you can do that successfully and try to confront it. But even doing that, I don't think, I think it's still a challenge because I, I'll tell you this. I, I've talked to some, some uh, student athletes and some parents over the years, and the race thing comes up. It came up before all this, um, just about, um, you know, Iowa and, and um, you know, racial diversity and, um, and white versus black things and things of that nature. It, it always came up. And um, so it was there. And now it's that wound was really opened up for all to see that in last June. And so now they've got a, I think they've done well in terms of confronting it, dealing with it. Um, I don't know if confronts the right word, but just um, you know, kind of moving forward from it and trying to find a path, but it's going to be a challenge for them for sure. It really is.
0: Well, and it certainly, it certainly gives other programs ammo per se. Right. Yeah. Or something that they can mention about Iowa. And um, we have seen like kind of this this tweet from Tyler Barnes the other week about negative recruiting. And um, I think it's it's part of football. I think it's probably everywhere. Um, <laughs> it's negative recruiting in general. I mean, it's, it's like politics, right? Um, yeah. you're, you're trying to sell like you're trying to sell like your university and you know who your competitors are and you know what you you know what your edges are. Um, I do, I do think that approaching it head on and like, you know, saying, hey, we know that this is what happened. We, we are making these changes X, Y, and Z. What I talked to, I actually talked to Jaden Montgomery about this because obviously he committed to the class. Now, given he has family ties to Iowa, he kind of always knew he wanted to go to Iowa. He, it's not like he's a Micah or somebody else with like a ton of different big name options, but he said, what did give him comfort? was talking to the players about what has changed in the locker room, what has changed in the weight room. And then I talked to Raymond Braithwaite last week on my podcast and asked like, what are you doing? Especially as a man of color, like you are in a good position to kind of reinvent the wheel here, right? And reinvent this culture. And he said he meets with every single athlete one-on-one beginning of training and, you know, wants to get to know them. And Obviously, kind of foster these relationships. Now, I wasn't here for the Chris Doyle era, so like, I don't know how he did that. But obviously, it didn't work out. So, it's—I don't know. I, I think it's gonna affect Iowa recruiting in a in a sense. It's got—it's gonna have an impact, and I think we're seeing an impact. But um, you know, we'll just keep waiting and we'll keep seeing what how this transpires.
1: Yeah, ultimately, I think with recruiting, what, what ends up deciding things in a lot of ways um, or um, is, is the product on the field, all right? If, the, if Iowa goes out and wins a bunch of football games this year and goes, you know, 10-2 and two or whatever and ends up playing in the Big Ten championship game, I think recruits kind of look the other way. Those like, yeah, they dealt with that and, you know, it's fine and I can see myself there. Um, if you struggle, then it becomes, yeah, they're not playing that well. And I should also mention, you know, Tyler's tweet, I think part of that was about Kirk Fairman's getting older. I mean, he's, he's, uh, you know, one of the older coaches at college football. I mean, we all know that his birthday's coming up actually in a couple of weeks. So it's, I, the only reason I know that is because. It was always right around Big Ten Media Day, so there was a few day at times where uh, on his birthday we were um, sitting down to do Big Ten Media Day stuff with him. So we'd always wish him a happy birthday uh, during Big Ten Media Days. So, um, but you know, he's 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 older, and I think, and he's you know twenty two years in, and he's you know got you know he's still going strong. But there are people who are going to say. Yeah, he's not going to be there for your full five years, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, and that, I think that's one of those things where, you know, it could go to both ways, right? Be like, oh, you have someone who's seasoned, who's been around for a while, has all this experience, has, here's his rapport, you know, of sending kids to the NFL, whatever. Um, that's, and you know, perks like a pretty easy sell, right? Like he donates money to the children's hospital. He's big on family. Like he's... Yep he's kind of like a comforting presence. Um, but at the same time, you can also look at it from the angle that you're looking at it, right? Is like, okay, is this guy going to be around for a couple more years? And if not, like, am I going to be a part of the plan, right? Am I this wide receiver, this tight end, this defensive lineman, this whatever? Am I still going to be seen through the same lens or through a different lens? Obviously through a different lens, but like, how does that affect me, right? And, so that's, I mean, ultimately, everybody is in it for themselves. Like they, they want, you know, they want to have a good career at Iowa. Sure, I would, do, sure. right? Like you, you know, it is about the team, but it's also like, okay, where is the bit best fit for me? Which is how it should be, you know.
1: He's, Kirk's dealt with two different angles of, is he going to be here in his career from '02 to '04 when he was the hottest commodity in college football. He, you know three straight 10-win seasons at wow. Iowa, which doesn't happen very often, uh, you know, ever, really. Um, but when you have that level of success, uh, the NFL teams, were, and he had the NFL background with the Ravens and, um, you know, working for Bill Belichick with the with um, the Cleveland Browns. And so people saw him as an NFL coach, and he was an NFL commodity. He had opportunities with the NFL. And every year, oh. it was the same thing. Uh, Kirk's not going to beat... You can't go to Iowa because Kirk's not going to be there. He's going to be an NFL coach. Look at his pedigree. And he had to deal with that. And what he's always said is, I'm still here. I've been here, you know, I was here as his assistant. I've been here this long, whatever year it was, as a head coach. This is, my kids all graduated from Iowa City High. You know, he has kind of a routine with it. But he's. I think he's kind of at that point where people can kind of start using the how long is he going to coach? Thing a little bit at least. Because, ageism, wow. yeah. Ageism. It's it's not fair uh, because you know Kirk still is in great shape. It's not like he's lost a step at all. In fact, I think he's um, grown as a coach in a lot of ways um, and and uh, become a better coach and more flexible coach, uh, more of a player's coach. Um, and uh, not that he wasn't bad. He was bad to players, but just that. I think he's really evolving um, as a coach um, and becoming more of a player's coach and understanding his players a little bit more. And I think that's a positive. So I, I'm just, he's going to have to deal with it every year um, with the age stuff. People are going to use what they use. And um, that's, just, that's just how it is. It's like on the recruiting trail, a new head coach is going to sell being the new head coach and the excitement now. Oh yeah, like this, like, like your long-horns every four or five years that you need. Oh yeah,
0: every the, four the, to five years. Yeah, that's a, I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I wouldn't use that on the recruiting trail. Yeah. But like, yeah.
1: Oh, uh. or, or you're having a good bump in your success. Um, like Iowa State with Matt Campbell, where you got these huge preseason expectations and you can, um, you can build on that and build on a strong season and, and use that on the recruiting trail. But Matt Campbell is also going to have to answer the question of, you know, the rumors were out there that the Detroit Lions offered him a job now. Is he going to be an NFL coach? Is he going to be the next Michigan coach? And, oh, yeah. You know, he's got to deal with those things as well.
0: Right. But, you know, I, it's funny. Every college football podcast I have been listening to lately has been super high on Iowa State. And honestly, <laughs> I, I get it. Right. Um, but, I was like, let's not forget they lost to the Raging Cajuns like the first game of the year last year. And like, everybody forgets about that. They had three losses, all right? But first thing, like, yeah, he's up and coming. What he's done for this Iowa State program is impressive. And they're going to sell the living daylights out of that. And we're already seeing that impact in state recruiting. Yep. So let's talk about, you know, there were a couple of people you brought up to me before this podcast. One of them you've already mentioned, uh, Aiden, um, Lafferty. How do I? Lafferty. Yeah, That's how you yeah. pronounce the last name. Yep. I'm very bad at pronunciation sometimes. Um,
1: I blister all the time when people make fun of me. I, I, I've got, <laughs> I, I, I say I've got pronunciation dyslexia or something.
0: Oh gosh. I don't know if it's like, mm, I don't have that much of a Texas accent, but sometimes like I can't pronounce Brett Bielema's last name to save my life. Like just call it's him just. Big
1: Bert. Just call him Big Bert and you're Big good. Yeah. Knows. And then
0: Landon Livingston. So these are two recruits, Landon being an offensive lineman, Aiden being running back. Can you touch on those two and, you know, Iowa's chances at landing these uh, two athletes?
1: Absolutely. So Aiden is going to announce, uh, we can just call him Aiden. So now we'll, we don't have to worry about name. Right. He's a running back from Gibson City, Illinois, um, really emerged last year in the short season for uh, Illinois high school football because Illinois high school has only played six games in the spring. So Um, He really got going there. Um, He's going to announce on Wednesday between Iowa and Illinois on WCIA. And it's not the CIA uh, that, you know, (laughs) the CIA does not have a TV station, but it's a champagne TV station. And so I talked to my TV friends and I said, what does that mean that he's going to be, you know, Going on a Champagne TV, it's one thing to go on Twitter and just put up a, a, a graphic and say I'm going to this person, this school. It's another thing to go on the the Illinois Champagne TV and announce. I mean, it's it'd be a pretty bold move to go on there and pull out a Tiger hawk hat, wouldn't it, and put that on? Um, yeah, I mean, that covers the Illini. I, I, mean, that, I don't that, know, I was, like- my, that was my my TV friends, uh, my buddy, Matt Randazzo, Celia's uh, Celia's friend. Uh, yeah,
0: right, Celia's are, boss.
1: Celia's boss. <laughs> um, well, we like to think that Celia is his boss, really, but. Oh,
0: um, shout out to Celia. <laughs> yeah,
1: she's the best. By the way, those guys killed it for the John Deere Classic coverage, and Celia in particular, great coverage. So uh, anyway, I Matt's take on it was, I find it of hard to believe from a TV perspective that he would go on that TV station and just say uh, no to the alignment. That was, that was his take. Livingston is going to announce on Friday and it's, I think most people believe it's Iowa or West Virginia. You know, he's also looking at Indiana, Purdue and Cincinnati, but I, he's got an aunt who works at the University of Iowa. Oh. So um, that may be helping the Hawkeyes a little bit. I,
0: Family ties. They and, always help.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, he's got somebody who's who's gonna be in Iowa City that he can be around that's family. Um, so I, I think there's something to that. Uh, and also you know, for a long time it, it was weird, but for a long time, Iowa, I think really struggled. Yeah, you know, they were sending offensive tackle after offensive tackle after offensive tackle to the NFL. You know, going back to Robert Gowry, Brian Belaga, Reef. All these guys, There's Brandon Scher. Uh, it was like a factory of, of multi-millionaires coming through the University of Iowa. Um, and Marshall Yanda, one of the greatest offensive linemen in the last uh, 15 years, probably a future Hall of Famer, came through the Iowa program. And now Tristan Wirfs is probably the, the it guy on offensive linemen. Iowa kind of turned the corner and they're able to get some of those higher rated offensive linemen now. Um, where we we're talking about earlier with the tight end thing, you're kind of wondering why, and it took a long time because I was always wondering, like, why aren't offensive tackles just lining up? You can go do really well, and then you can get paid massive amounts of money and maybe win some awards. They've had, you know, two Outland Trophy winners at Iowa. Um, so I think that's kind of turned the corner. So I think Livingston, I think Iowa's got a good shot at getting him. So... Um, but we'll find out Friday. And then, you know, you got Chase Carter on the 20th, Iowa, Michigan state. We talked a little bit about that earlier. Uh, Brian Allen another defensive lineman. I think I was in fairly decent shape with him. Um, he went to the same um, school, the, the St. Thomas Moore school that where Jason Manson was like the Dean of students or whatever, he, whatever his title was. And Jason's now in Iowa. So I think that's going to maybe help him a little bit. Um, with um, with him so I think they're in at least pretty competitive decent shape with him but I don't think he's in a rush to make a decision right now so that's kind of where things sit and then you know you've got some I mentioned the two tight ends defensive backs there's guys like Keith Moko from Newton 6-1 corner that they're looking at um, Josiah Galvin kid from West Liberty who's got a Nebraska offer, and but I think Nebraska's slow playing him right now. Uh, Case He's going to K-State for camp. He camped at Iowa. The six-foot-two defensive back. Uh, uh Gaskin, a kid from Georgia who I was involved with. Um, yeah, there's just there's some guys that I think they're going to monitor a little bit, get some film on um, early in the season and potentially often.
0: Yeah, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. My cat was meowing profusely in the background. I've been trying to mute my camera every so often, and she just keeps, she's like on extreme alert today. So now I've decided if I just hold her here in front of the camera, maybe she'll shut up. But yeah, um, I think you also said that you have some data that you wanted to share with us as far as comparing Iowa. Um, current recruiting class right now, obviously it is un, is not complete, and comparing it to previous years and where they usually stand. So what, um, what have you dug up?
1: Yeah, so 2019 was the first year that, um, that college programs could, could use official visits for football in the spring. And a um, little, little fun fact, the first uh, spring visitor that Iowa took uh, on an official visit was Tyler Goodson he visited during the spring game actually and they pretty much knew he was going to commit and he ended up committing like right around July 4th um, I think it was a birthday of, or some sort that he just decided to, to make them but they knew that that he was coming because they passed on guys like Drill Brock and uh, you know they were even recruiting Brees Hall which is just it was wild that it was kind of like those guys and Drill Brock and Brees Hall and Kyle Goodson for Iowa and they settled on on, uh, taking Goodson. So 2018, they really uh, was, they had been doing these spring visit things but they weren't official visits. They were just kind of summer cookout. They call it like a barbecue kind of thing. So they had 10 commits by the end of June in 2018. So 10 of the 23 were in. So 2019 is the first year you could do the officials. Before that official visit weekend, they had 10 commitments after that. As a result of that visit weekend, they got four right, four commitments right after that. So they had 14 of the 22 commitments done, um, you know, essentially before or right after the big official visit weekend that they've always done at the end of June. 2020, 13 commitments before um, that, that uh, um, official visit weekend in late June. They got five commitments after that. So, essentially, 18 of the 22 were done in that class by the end of that weekend. So that's kind of where the model was going. That's where Kirk talks about, you know, we built up all that kind of a machine where they were they had figured this out and got it to the point where it really worked well for them. Uh, and in fact, that year, um, in, in 2020, Iowa had 21 of their 22 commitments done before the, the football season even started. So um, they were pretty much done uh, by late August. Uh, Deontay Craig, I think was the last, um, last guy that they got right before in August. So 2021, we know uh, that 2021 class, everything was impacted by the pandemic. Okay, so they couldn't do the um, visits stopped in March um, and they couldn't do their normal stuff in June. Uh, But they still had seven commitments by the time things shut down in March um, and got nine more between March and June and a lot of them were March, April, most of them were March and April so they had 16 of the 19 done by the end of June so even with the pandemic they were able to do well now they're sitting at seven so uh, but you're coming out of the pandemic where you couldn't do any visits until June so um, it's It's different. And I I think, uh, and I don't think it's a lack of adapting because I I would argue that last year, Iowa had to adapt like nobody's business because not only did you have to do what everybody else did, which was go on Zoom, but then in the middle of that class, trying to put that class together, you also had the, the racial inequality stuff that came out and you had to deal with that with that entire class. And in a lot of places, I think that class falls apart you know, it would have been easy for Keegan Johnson, uh, Arlen Bruce, guys like that, to just say, you know what, this is kind of weird. I'm out. And nobody would have thought, boy, that's strange. Why are they abandoning Iowa? And so they, you know, they kind of built that relationship with the class. And there's a lot of that that goes on during the visits. Guys get to know each other, um, kind of say, hey, let's all go here, um, work on each other. And that hasn't happened for a year. And I think that's part of what's going on. I think it's part the race stuff. I think it's part the pandemic. I think it's just part the rhythm that Iowa normally operates in with recruiting has been off. And Kirk talked about that a couple of weeks ago that, you know, just that normally they'd have some, some dates in, uh, you know, they'd have, they've they they'd worked on the relationship in person and it just hasn't been there. So it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, and they're going to have to weather that storm. That's just, part of the deal and it's not a lack of adapting i know people have been blasting me with that oh you're you're defending kirk and you're making excuses i'm just kind of kirk kind of knows more about what goes on than anybody so um he was very honest about it that that they've dealt with it uh you know up front um but I, I think they've got to figure. It, they're going to figure it out. They're going to get players. This is going to be a smaller class, though. I think because the senior class is is really small, and you could still have. I think one of the stories that we're going to probably have to cover during the season. I talked to uh, Riley Moss a little bit about it um, when we had the availability last time. How many of the seniors are going to come back for another year and be on scholarship? Because those guys are having. It's not like this year where Ben Valkenberg and guys like that. Are super seniors and they don't count in the scholarship count so there's like an extra ride um those guys will count in the 85 so does right and that's the,
0: something that actually some recruits have actually brought up to me too is like you know yeah it's kind of it's gonna get harder because there are fewer spots because guys are taking that COVID year yep. and I mean I fair right And it it makes it makes the whole thing more competitive. I think also what I've heard is that this past class, the 2021 class, I mean even the in-state talent in Iowa was a little bit more plentiful than previous years. And of course, we know that Iowa, you know, Iowa's recruiting class in 2021 was mainly Iowa kids, and Iowa recruits well out of Iowa. So that also probably plays into the bigger numbers that we saw, right? Um, I think when it comes to race, like of course. I'm a white woman. I always like to preface preface that, like be like, I'm a white woman. I'm talking about race. Like, I don't know everything I am learning. Um, I think what everybody is doing in society right now is trying to um, see where we can put people of color in leadership positions, right? Because ultimately this is a top-down thing and we need more people of color in leadership positions. And I think, you know, you've got Broderick Bins in that director of diversity, equity and inclusion position, which was a new position that was added um, during the pandemic. Right. And, you know, he's trying to create this place where athletes can be their authentic selves is what he said. Um, And then, you know, obviously you have a new guy leading the weight room and then you're adding new guys on staff who are also men of color. I think that's something that's really important to do Um, during a time like this. And there are so many talented and like skilled coaches out there who are waiting for their big break. And it's so important to give them that opportunity and also create a more, uh, a staff that more closely like reflects the sport, you know? Um, So, I mean, I think that, I think I was doing that. I think I was putting men of color in leadership positions, which is encouraging i think um i don't know how again i can't speak on behalf of the recruits um i don't know what they think i don't know if they find it encouraging or if it's not enough i don't know um i would talk to a guy like matt hankins who returned for his he's returning for his sixth year um he was the leading voice then you know everything that went on last year and so i'm wondering you know what made him come back and if i'm you know it, what is he saying to recruits, right? Like, um, what is he saying? And I know that when we spoke to him in the spring, he was talking about how, yeah, everything is so different. There, are like, things are, you know, we're able to open up more, we're able to have these conversations. We had a lot of really great conversations about um, George Floyd. And when that verdict came out, a lot of the coaches were very open and very well educated about um, the implications of that trial. And so, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's heavy stuff. Right. Uh, but it all comes down to sports, you know, sports are a reflection of society. And, um, but I do want to shift gears um, because this podcast will run a little long.
1: Can I, can I, can I dump one, a couple of things in there? I think it's yeah. important that Iowa has guys, men of color who have experience in the program leading this with Broderick, Jason Manson, uh, you've got Kelvin Bell. You've got LeVar Woods. You've got those guys who have, who not only are men of color, but also men who have played uh, and put on the Iowa jersey. And I think that gives them added credibility. Uh, right. when Talking to um, the parents and to the kids. But with recruiting, just my final point on recruiting, it is always a razor's edge um, to get a kid. It always is because they've always, all these kids have good options. They really do. They really they're talented kids who have offers from all over the country, a lot of these kids. So it is just that razor's edge of things that what matters to them. And that's where I think, you know, um, I think that's where I was maybe on the other side of that edge right now. Uh, but there is such thing as momentum. There is. Tyler Barnes has talked about it with, with me before. And there's also kind of negative moment, momentum. There has to be momentum in either way, um, and but you can gather that back. Um, so it can it can turn on a dime. With, you, know, you get a couple of commitments, people get excited, and then they say, "Oh, it's okay to go there." And right. uh, all you need is is a couple of guys to say it's okay, and then guys will follow.
0: And we're talking about human beings, yeah, yeah, the voice or trying to make these big decisions they have the weight of the world on their shoulders and people who are hitting up their phones left and right trying to figure out I mean even I kind of get uncomfortable sometimes being like hey so I'm signed I'm just trying to like talk to you about your decision to Iowa you know it's just it's a lot of publicity for a kid of that age and I know they're used to it by now they're all star football players right but like I don't know it's just me I, I think about myself and like at age 18 and i was trying to decide where i was going to college and i'm not even like i wasn't even going to be a college, college right and that was hard you know and i don't have anybody who cares that where i go, right except for my mother right so i don't know i mean you know if a kid wants to go to iowa state because he just felt it right because he just felt like it was his comfort zone then, you know, that's just where it's going to be. And he doesn't have to explain it to any of us media members, right? Or maybe that's just all he's going to say. And that's that's just how it goes mm-hmm. sometimes. And it's, tough it's
1: tough And tough world. And you're an 18-year-old kid, and you've done a lot of, um, you've got some very successful, wealthy, powerful guys, you know, these coaches that you know of, that you know that are recruiting you, and it is hard to say no to all of them. You got to say no to all but one of them, and that's hard to do. So um, it's a it's a lot of stress for these kids to you know because these guys all want them to play football for them, and it's a tough tough thing for um, it, it's a lot of weight on an 18 year old kid, and you know maybe some of them don't have great support systems around them. Hopefully they do. Hopefully they got um, you know good parents good high school coach that's helping them or a mentor of some sort that's helping them uh, kind of navigate that and take some of that pressure off them. But a lot of these kids, it's, it's really hard because they're, you know, you're having Kirk Ferentz and Matt Campbell and Brett Bielema and Pat Fitzgerald and all, you know, all these guys coming in Nick Saban, you know, I think about like a, like the Caden Proctor kid from Southeast Polk right now, who's the number one offensive lineman, maybe end up being a top recruit in the country. You know, who knows? He's, you know, Tristan Wirfs 2.0 in some ways. And I know he box it kind of like he's his own person. But anyway, he's going to, he's, and, and you could tell during the month of June as he took all these visits, how the weight of that was weighing on him and, and the pressures that you feel of Nick Saban coming at you and, um, you know, or Dabo Sweeney or somebody like that. It, that's, it's heavy for, for an 18 year old kid. Can you imagine having, I couldn't imagine when I was 18 having to deal with that kind of pressure.
0: I mean, I, so this was funny. I met Mac Brown when I was was 16 or 17. He came to my school because we had the top recruit in the nation signing with Texas. And uh, I remember walking down the hallway. I saw him. I literally dropped everything I was carrying. I like, I was (laughs) about to pass out. And the head football coach at Alita was like, Leah, there's someone I'd like you to meet. And I was like, holy, no, no way. And and Mac Brown's like, hi, I'm Mac Brown. I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. Like, I I know who you are. I'm crying. I have no idea how to like contain myself. You know, I'm like 16, right? Like, this is like, i watched this thing forever, right? Like I was, you know, and I, you can't be that way as a football player, but I'm sure a part of them when they get that phone call from, a Kirk Ferrance from a Matt Campbell, they're like, oh my God. Kirk Ferris, like they've all grown up because like Kirk Ferrance has been for longer than they've been So like at this point, they're all like, I have grown up watching Kirk Ferrance. And so yeah, I don't know. I think it's 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 a it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy it's a, a recruiting is very fascinating to me. I'm so new to it when it comes to the reporting and I'm so thankful for people like you and you know Kind of helping me navigate this because it's been it's been an interesting first recruiting season for me especially coming off of a pandemic um you wrote an article about spencer petrus we are shifting gears away from recruiting because everybody will always wants to talk about the quarterback yep. um so you wrote about it um
2: some
0: lessons from a quarterback coach uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that story and what you heard from this quarterback coach tony um you know what?
1: I'll leave the last name Tony to Rossiopi. Yeah. yeah, it's a good Italian guy from, from, uh, from New Jersey. So, um, yeah, he's... Um, Tony, um, how that relationship started was Nate Stanley went to work with him at, to prepare for the NFL um, draft combine and all that, everything that went into that. So um, Spencer and Nate are pretty tight. And after last year... Actually, I, I didn't know this until talking to Tony. They had started actually talking during the season. And because um, Nate and, and Spencer had talked and he said, you should have you should talk to Tony. And then after spring ball, um, Spencer went out to work with Tony for about a week and um, just kind of worked on mechanics and, and those sorts of things. And it's in concert with Coach O'Keefe because the Iowa coaches cannot work with him. They're limited by the number of hours they can work with Spencer on mechanics and everything. So they've got a limitation. Every power five quarterback seems to have a quarterback coach, a guy that they go to, their guy kind of thing that that kind of works on their mechanics or just, you know, kind of helps them out. Uh, it's like a, a shooting coach for basketball kind of thing. Right. And, and it makes sense. I mean, you, you want somebody who specializes in what you do, Work with you so
0: Tony always had a relationship with Iowa quarterbacks,
1: not really, not until, um, you know, he knew Ken a little bit because Ken Ken O'Keefe would recruit the Hun School where he coaches at, he coaches quarterbacks there and does uh, works with this test academy to kind of develop other quarterbacks and work with them. But, um, Nate was the first guy that went there and felt like it helped him. So, Spencer started going there, and then he just finished up. You know, most of the guys, they had a little break for Iowa football. The guys could go scatter a little bit, maybe go home, and he would think maybe Spencer's going to go back to Marin County, go get some, you know, drink some wine, relax a little bit with his family, you know, uh, have, some, have some enjoyment uh, out on the coast and unwind. Uh, but instead, he went the opposite direction. He went out to New Jersey and threw footballs 90 minutes uh, twice a day uh, once in uh, 90 minutes in the morning, 90 minutes in the afternoon, uh, just working on his craft. And the thing that Tony told me is that the kid just wants to be good. He wants to be great, actually. He, he has the desire. He's going to put in the work. Um, now, at the end of the day, it's what happens on the field um, that, that will matter. Um, and, you know, to be honest, you know, you're out there and you're throwing. There's no helmets on. There's nobody pass rushing you. There's no defensive backs. It's just doing the mechanical things. But those are sort of the mechanical things. I mean, you work like if you're a basketball player. You go work on your your shot in, in, in an empty gym and, and just get shots up with a gun. Uh, you know, you played volleyball. I'm sure you went and worked Absolutely. on serve. you know, um, over and over and over again. In, a, in an empty gym where nobody was returning your serve, but you just worked them. And that's just sort of what he's doing. So um, he feels like Spencer's gonna have a, a really big year. So um, we'll see, uh, I, I, I'm interested. I, I think it's good for him, um, but it's gonna be interesting to see if it really works.
0: I think he, he knows he's under like the magnifying glass sure. and I, you know, he's got a little edge to him, right? Like in, in the spring, he's like, yeah, I know the critics are there. I'm here to just do my job. And I will say the last media availability we had every player I talked to about Spencer said, this guy's the first guy. I know it's a cliche. It's a sports cliche. This is the first guy in the locker room. Last guy out. He's watching film more than anybody else on the team. He really wants to get better. And I I think that um, there's something to be said about that. Right. And also when you're talking about mechanics, you know, you got to make sure it's second nature to you before you go up against people. Right. And Uh that's what I think of when I think about my volleyball, like I had to fix my arm swing when I was an outside hitter. I was leading with my elbow instead of pulling it back and coming down. And so when my volleyball coach figured that out, my JV season, she's put me up on a box, you know, cause you, you just was like, we're not even gonna focus on the jumping. You're gonna stand on this box and you're gonna swing at this volleyball like hundreds of times until you get this swing, right? You get this mechanic, these mechanics, right? It's second nature. Okay, now we're gonna add the jump. Okay, now we're gonna add the block, right? And so that's, you know, incremental, like, you know, this is, this is how the natural progression of teaching the mechanics of a skill in a sport. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome that he went out there um, during his off time. I mean, off time, whatever.
1: It, it takes some humility to do that too, to, to kind of admit that you need some help. And um, but it's that desire to get better. I'll, I'll um, kind of flash back to something from last last year when all this season was going to hell in a handbasket. We didn't know if they were going. There was a picture that Brian Ray took of, of the Iowa players in the meeting room. Uh, with Kirk talking to them telling him basically we don't know if we're going to have a season Spencer Petrus was in the front row and he had a notebook open and I just that told me everything I needed to know about the kid that he carries this notebook around uh, taking notes of things that he needs to learn or that he needs to remember uh, and that that always that immediately stuck with me that I don't know if this guy's going to be a great quarterback but he's going to work at it and he's going to, he's doing the things that I think you need to do to be good at, as a quarterback. Um, but there's an immense amount of pressure on him. I mean, those first two games, Indiana and, and then going to Ames, um, you know, I, tough. I go back to Nate Stanley, you know, <laughs> when he went to Iowa state right out of the gate and, and was able to win there. Uh, but that was a tough place for him to go too. And, um, it's, that it's going to be wild there, and um, and the Indiana game is going to be challenging because Indiana is got a really good quarterback coming back, a really good wide receiver, and Fry Fogle coming back. They've got a they'll have a good defense. Um, and those, it's going to take. It it's funny because Spencer started off so I, I don't want to say poorly, but he struggled the first two games, and. I will start zone two, and I think that's ingrained in the Iowa fans' heads right now, and they can't seem to ever go away from that. Yeah, he threw five touchdowns in the last two games of the season that they played, and only one interception. But yeah, but the what about the Northwestern? Well, you know, you just kind of revert back to I made up my mind early, and it's tough to change your mind on it on somebody until you get more evidence. And I, I think he's gonna. He's, he's going to have to battle that a little bit with, with the fans. The one thing Tony told me, he goes, when a quarterback comes to me, they want to fix like three things. They want to know why I threw it too high, why I threw it too low, or why I threw it too, too, too far outside. And that's what the mechanic part does is when you work on those mechanics, you take those away and you figure out why you threw it high, why you threw it low, why you threw it to the side, and fix that so you're on target in the future.
0: Yeah, and it's um you know it's hard to criticize college athletes in my opinion. And yeah. uh, they're they're college athletes, right? It's just like there's a lot. And um, I think back to I'm I'm gonna make a Texas reference. We had Tyrone swoops at quarterback when I was when I was in college. And Tyrone was not like our favorite quarterback, right? Like he was not like he was not a Vince Young, he was not a Colt McCoy, but um, and he had these great moments, like some game winning touchdowns, where we called like the 18 wheeler package, where he just trucked over people and just like quarterback sneak. It was it was incredible watches, like invigorating. And it was funny because his last name was fun to say. So the whole stadium would say swoops, and it sounded like it sounded like we were booing him, which sometimes it was hard to tell the difference. Um, but the thing about Tyrone swoops was like he's a really good person. Like it's like a really nice guy. You run into him on campus. He will talk to you. Like he, he was, he's such a nice guy and he's always like so generous with his time. And so it was like really hard for me as I got older, I got into sports writing. I was like, it's so hard for me to criticize athletes who are good people. Cause there are a lot of athletes out there who are not good too. And so it's just like, I don't know Spencer very well. I don't. Like, maybe he's not. I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I can't speak to his character. But what I do know about what people have told me as far as his work ethic is that he's trying. And I think that the, as, a, as any fan, and I think anybody in the Hawkeye fan base, I think that's all they can ask, right, is for their quarterback to be trying. to making that extra effort, to going the extra mile to, you know, try to produce what they want him to do right? Yep. And it's going to be a tough road. I mean, you're not starting off this season easy. Like, Iowa could start off 0-2. like, yep. and They they could start off 0-2 to two very good teams. Yep. And... 25. That's tough. And, you know, that's a huge... That's a huge pressure on Spencer Peaches' shoulders. Uh, God bless him, honestly. Like... <laughs> uh, he wants
1: it. I, I think he wants that pressure, too. I think he likes the... To to have it, but I think there's times where he is maybe a little bit wound too tight, you know, and maybe that's something he's got to kind of process and figure out um, is how to relax a little bit. Um, yeah, I I just go back to like the Amir Smith Marset flip touchdown at, at the end of the year, and I asked him after the game, I said, "Did you see that?" And he was too busy just freaking out, celebrating the throw and not even and celebrating by himself and just kind of in that moment that he didn't even see that happen. And it's just so boy boys, kids just wound tight sometimes and he's just got to have fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just, I just look back at like a guy like Drew Tate on a throw like that. Drew Tate would have been running down the field, chasing down his receiver and doing windmill arm things. You know, he, that's just, Drew is just different. Um, yeah, he's just grand loose. Uh, Texas boy, by the way. So <laughs> hey. there you
0: go. Well, Tom, I super appreciate you coming on the On yep. Iowa podcast today. Of course, everybody can check out your work at hawkeireport.com. Let's um, the Iowa Rivals site. If you Google search, that's what I do, is I just type in Iowa Rivals.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you great. for having me on.
0: Yeah. Sure thing. Have a, I hope you get a vacation before we. Uh, Take it into high gear. Where would you go?
1: What, what's, your, what's your goal? Well, i have toyed with going out to Vegas for a few days and just kind of relaxing and, and, and chilling out there because that's always like a happy place for me. But I've also thought about maybe going out and hiding out in the mountains for a few days and just kind of hiking. That's, yeah. that's another one of my happy places is, is going to uh, the Rockies or going to Yosemite or something and just hiding for a few days and unplugging from the world. Getting some cool
0: air, seeing some nature. They say that walking through the trees is good for
1: you. Yes, it is. It's it's healthy. love it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking recruiting. Again, this is the On Iowa podcast. You can check out my work at the set. And uh, y'all have a good one.